I feel like I've I changed through that, but then I had to maintain that good feeling. There you go. How do I maintain with actual everyday practices, being a mom, being in this life? And that's how it all kind of developed into where I am now that I feel, you know, I make jokes about it, but I kind of feel like I'm there. You know, that's the funniest you'd hear Johnny's like, oh, right. You think you're there, huh? <laughs> good for you. <laughs> so probably not. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. everybody welcome to this episode of the householder's path living a spiritual journey in the material world in the everyday life many of us are trying to figure that out how to live aspects of a spiritual journey in the material world not going off and meditating in a cave for 40 years to achieve some aspect of enlightenment no, it's bring your, bass, bring your ass back home and do that here. Do that awareness and contemplation, mindfulness in the everyday things of life, of washing the dishes and folding the laundry and walking in the woods, cooking a meal, putting the kids to bed, getting them ready for school. Yeah, how do we find that aspect of a spiritual life in the mundane. Because when we embrace the dailiness, the mundaneness of life, we recognize that the connection and mutuality of the sacred and of the routine, we recognize that sacredness. We can find that in either. And I have a conversation with my friend and neighbor, Mana Vermeulen McLeod. And she is a good quality human. And I really enjoyed having this conversation with her. We had a really good rapport on this subject. And I learned a lot about, a lot more about Mana that I was really pleased. And I think you will be too. So let me tell you a little bit more about Mana. Mana has been an Earth Haven Echo Village resident since uh, 2007. She believes in the potential of transformation in each present moment. She is a mother, a natural builder, a hairdresser. Yep, she's my hairdresser. And conflict mediator at her village. She's also a social activist committed to anti-oppression work in areas of race, gender, and class differences. She's always a student of life, and she's worked as a student advisor for Gaia University, where she also received her associate degree in integrative eco-social design. And she is now a life coach based in authenticity and tantric philosophy. And you can find her uh, on Instagram at Tantra Mom, and you can find out more about Mana in the show notes. So Mana shares her story about her householder path that she's on. 
how she's bringing in her spiritual life and her focus intertwine into her daily life. And she speaks about various studies, uh, especially Tantra, that has helped her in this practice. Okay. And before we get on to the conversation, which is a juicy one, I want to tell you to make sure that you're having some good, juicy, loving conversations with people that you care about in your life. Yeah, tell me something good. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me, tell me that you love me. Yeah. Are you telling each other that you love each other? I hope you are. Well, I'm sending you all, yeah, listening, I'm sending you my love. And hoping that you are having just a beautiful day. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to tell you about going to my website, <laughs> prepo.com. You can learn more about my work, my counseling practice, and my coaching practice. You can go there and also support the podcast financially if you feel inclined. That is greatly appreciated. Yeah, and if you're listening Apple Podcasts would love if you leave us a written review. And that helps letting people know how you feel about the podcast. Oh, and stay tuned to the very end of the podcast. I want to give you some focus tips that you can practice if you're interested in ways to bring more of that spiritual life, that awareness into this everyday life. All right, everybody. Here we go, my conversation with Mana on the Householder's Path, living a spiritual journey in this material world. Mana. Ah, hello. Mm. Thank you so much. Hey, you know what? I'm curious. When we did see each other um, mm-hmm. last month at the cookout, yeah. you said, hey, we were just talking about you. Yeah. And we really didn't talk about that real quick. And then we went on about the podcast when I emailed you and you said, wow, coincidence. So what were you talking about me? About- well, my husband and I talk about you sometimes, Prepo, mm. um, <laughs> about both you and Rainbow. Um, and actually it came up, I think it was actually about podcasts because I've been... I've been having, like I just told you, I've been having so many thoughts and making connections in my own learning and my own teaching. And I was like, maybe I should I should contact Prepo and talk to him about podcast. And then you contacted me before that. So I was picking it up. Synchronicity, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Sweet. And I love this topic that that you was um, is alive for you so when alive. I asked you. Yeah. And that is the householder path. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Tell, tell me what, what, when you think of that householder path, like what comes up for you? I think the first thing is the householder path is the, I, just a bodily sensation when I, when I hear that word is allowing a spiritual envelopment development within a lifetime where you don't have to sit on the top of a mountain so that it's really and like achievable really for anybody. You know, your mom, pop, you can be in the middle of your life, um, a householder, so you don't have to own a house for <laughs> for this. But it's a spiritual path within specifically Tantra. That's the, the spiritual path that I'm following. Um, 
that really looks at a full holistic approach to all the parts of you that want to become on this journey, on the spiritual journey. So including spirit, soul, body, mind, um, just a whole package instead of just the mind or just the soul. Mm. And on top of that, the householder path is I am a mom. And I'm raising kids, and they're 11 and 12 right now, and they're just a handful. And, you know, we're all super busy. I'm not a soccer mom just yet because nobody plays soccer, but I could be, you know, <laughs> every verbal soccer mom equates a householder. So any mom and any dad and any parent specifically, and I think that's what I'm drawn to, can really reach within daily life a, a sense of connectedness to the divine. People want to know, yeah, so how do I do that? How, how do we do, I that? do that? Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> so easy. Well, that, and that is true. Like, it's 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 easy. It's a flow. It's almost flow state. My husband loves to use that term because he's into ultimate fighting. Loves to watch ultimate fighting. So it's all about flow state. I'm like, I get you. I see you. Flow state is really this spiritual path. So And he's doing this spiritual path while he's watching people getting their ass, ass kicked. kicked. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, you know, that's like, I'm not, I'm not interested in separating myself from this delicious life, which includes everything, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the emotions, the, the mishaps, the, the bodily functions. I, I'm not interested to separate myself from that. There has to be a way. And I quote unquote, found that way just by somebody telling me, yes, this is allowed. This is a legit spiritual path. And yeah, I needed that acknowledgement because I never heard of it. I really just was brought up. You're either within an organized religion, which I'm not interested in. I'm not in interested in Christianity or such. And then outside of that is the sitting in, a, in the Himalayan cave like we were talking about earlier. Um, and that's not an option for me. I was born in Holland. Now I'm immigrated to the U.S. I'm I'm not gonna leave my family behind. I like got to be able to do this in life, right square in life while cooking the dinners, and everybody's like going nuts around me. You know where is my center? That's your church right there, right? That's I mean, the that's, church. It, I always thought you know those gurus that are up there in those caves for forty years and so forth. I always have. <laughs> such a hard time reading their books because there's part of me is like when you have a family like for 20 years i'm going to read your fucking book then <laughs> exactly it's like, yeah because this is to me this is the path this is the yeah. spiritual path relationship our relationship to the material world to other people is is the, a spiritual path yeah and you know just want to preface like I think, you know, if we really believe in karma and past lives, I probably had a couple of past lives where I sat in that cave. You know, right. it does feel kind of delicious. Sometimes I wish yeah. I could get me out of this insanity. But since I'm not, it's it's not impossible. It's not like, oh, just because you're not in that cave, you're cut off from these options. That's just not true. No, it's not true. No. And the beauty of it is like, we have such a playground for it whether mm -hmm. where we are in the forest or, our, or in our house. But when we think about going into some wild fucking town <laughs> and city or going into smack into Tokyo or New York, yeah, that's even more of the playground of like, how do I show up and be in my experience with, yeah. for me, it's the part of what is, what is my focus around? I want to be kind. I don't want to judge. I want to be able to be open. I want to be tolerant. And it's a constant fucking focus yeah, to do that for sure and i think how i've i've been practicing this now 
close to a decade in this specific way. Um, so I've gotten some practice at it. Um, and I think how I would see it now, Tantra being the, the art and science of transformation, that any moment is a moment of transformation. So any moment I have a power to change. I'm not a victim of whatever happens to me. And that, of course, known that everybody's born with certain circumstances that make it either har harder or easier. And so that's legit. That's real. So whatever circumstances you have and in whatever busy place you are in the world that's very distracting, it's going to make it a little bit harder. So there's a level or gradation of easier and harder. And yeah, we both chose to live in these gorgeous woods, which is going to make it easier to access that still point. So over the years, I've started looking at what does one day look like and how to really do this from like one, two, three step to, to really getting a handle on how can I transform each moment into a better moment. Um, so yeah, we, we will have to meditate. <laughs> Sorry for those <laughs> Folks. who fucking hate meditating. <laughs> There's tricks you can you can do. Uh, you don't have to meditate for three hours or six hours or go to some silent Vipassana retreat for three weeks out of your very busy life, which is impossible. Um, but there's going to be some kind of mindfulness practice necessary. That is crucial. And by the time, that was what I was going to share after these sort of 10 years or so now, my mindfulness practice is not yoga and meditation in the morning. I don't have time for that. I have kids who like wake me up. You know, I have kids who are very loud from the get-go of the day. So what I have adopted is, um, for me, it's very important to have a, a real critically positive start to the day. That sets me up mm. for mindfulness for the rest of the day. Um, it's, it's, mo it's true for a lot of folks. Um, yeah, so so I'm talking to myself too. Get yeah, off yeah. the toilet with your phone. <laughs> yes. You don't do that shit in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Or go back even further. So the where I really start is the moment I open my eyes, I kind of close them again right away. I have an alarm that goes off like five or seven <laughs> times because I don't want to get up. There's where the kids come in. Um, so I still have a moment to myself. I close my eyes again and I do this thing called 10 conscious breaths. You can do five conscious breaths. You can do two. Seriously, just start wherever you can. It's not a race. You know, it's not a competition. Um, no one's watching. So it's those those conscious breaths and what I do is just bringing awareness to myself. Like here I am laying really still, breathing really slow. You can breathe, belly breathe, you know, all that good stuff. Just really give yourself two breaths, five breaths, ultimately 10 breaths would be amazing of full awareness and attention. That awareness and attention and presence with yourself is going to pay off so much for the rest of the day. And that's kind of, that's when I say it's easy. That's really it. It's really just bringing presence and awareness to everything you do. Exactly. And calling yourself in, in any moment that you're kind of straying off from that path. And that's where that transformation comes in, in every moment. And of course, there's like so much practice necessary and difficult situations within a day. But that is sort of really the thing, bringing presence and awareness to all your behaviors inside and out. Right. And it's coming, it's constantly coming back to that because everybody's going to think I can't do all my moments of the day. Yeah. There is no perfection. There is no, it's just constantly once you be aware of something and come back to it and maybe you'll have two or three times in a day, maybe one day you won't. And then the next day you'll have more awareness. Right. Yeah. When you said 
starting out when you start off the day like that, then the rest of the day goes really well, mm-hmm. especially in relationships, yeah. you know, because my part, when I'm slow in the morning and, and conscious of myself, then I'm conscious of what kind of fucking en- funky energy, and yeah, funky both. fucking energy <laughs> yeah. that I'm giving to people around me um, or that or the aspect of really feeling myself and being inside myself. It's more for me to be more kind and more patient and more yeah. forgiving. Yeah, I mean, it was like, maybe it was this morning or yesterday morning, but Johnny was making coffee and I, I always drink mate. I can't drink coffee that early. Um, but, you know, we were all a little tense. I don't know exactly what happened. The breakfast didn't work out or there was whatever. There's, a, there's there, you know, we're a family. Somebody made a loud noise. Who knows what happened? So there was some tension. And then I can react. I have that choice to react super annoyed. <clears throat> and I know because we've had that experience, you just know as a human now after a while that if you react, if I react annoyed, it's going to be contagious. Whatever anybody does, it's contagious. So then my kid's going to be annoyed. Then Johnny's going to be annoyed. And before we know it, it spins out of control. And it's so fucking hard to pull it back in, to get back to center. So it's like that choice, if I have the choice in that moment to not be annoyed and and watch it not spin out of control, but just say like, or take a deep breath. You know, like the breath is really like our freaking biggest ally. It's like, take that. It's in where I hang out in my circle. It's called the sacred pause. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't die for anybody. It's yeah. everybody. It's also fine to just call it a deep breath. You, you know, I, when you said the sacred pause, I said this before on podcast. I love this when I read this years ago. There's a word in Catalan called carencia. Mm. And that means sacred pause. And what it is, it's when... In a bullfight, when the the matador has the bull, has hurt the bull, the the bull all of a sudden stops and yeah. pauses, and they call it Corinthia, the sacred pause, because at that time, that's when the matador is most frightened of the bull because it's gaining its center back, its balance, his strength. They and I thought of like that's what the sacred pause is. When I pause, I gain myself back, my agency, my groundedness, my strength. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think what I've sort of studied in my own body and within Tantra, the body is a tool. So what you're experiencing within your body is legit. You know, I think that's the big difference with a lot of organized religions, that it, that it shows you things that you're going through. But, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you said something awesome about the bull. Um, oh, yeah, about contagiousness. So it's like... As I have that awareness early on in the morning, I make that awareness or mindfulness then contagious for myself. Mm. If I've done it once in the day, it's likely that my system will remember later in the day and again later in the day. You know, like the many quiet moments in a day is what we're trying to do. Like you were saying, perfection is not anything we're interested in, but it is kind of coming back to center throughout the day. So making it contagious for yourself. And once you've made it contagious for yourself, it's contagious for others. If you're peaceful and calm and you're quote unquote an example for others, can you know, can be misconstrued, but it is really just you Inspir- don't have to it's inspiring. inspiring. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to talk about how how it's so inspiring. You just are. You're just calm. Yeah. And really it's better if you don't talk about it. It's much better. <laughs> it's much better. Way better because people get triggered real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or it just changes the experience. I told this story before, but I love it. Rainbow and I got in a fight some years ago. 
I went on to the balcony and I said some shit through the screen door. Not sure <laughs> what it was, but it wasn't so nice. And she was in the kitchen and she went, what love? And I'm thinking, well, she didn't hear, but I'm thinking, how the fuck did she get back to love that fast? Damn it. I want to do that. I want to yeah. do it. And we didn't talk about it. I always mm -hmm. told the story about it, but it was like, that was inspiration. Damn, you can do that within 25 seconds or yeah. 30 seconds. I want to do that. Yeah. And then that's great that you mentioned that because what pops up in my head when you say that is often we, we wonder like, well, okay. So when I get angry, it feels kind of good, right? Mm -hmm. It feels kind of good. Right. So it's that like righteous anger and you know, your partner is pissed off at you. Of course you're going to be pissed off back because you just do. That's just because it feels good for some it's a chemical dump. We it's like a, that exactly. Kind of so it, within this awareness practice that I've been doing ever since I got introduced to Tantra, is is it the question is, is it really better? Is it truly a better feeling that you're chasing when you react with that same anger back? And at first, your first reaction kind of wants to be, oh, totally. And then it's that sacred pause again, that cool Spanish word. Um, Carencia. There you go. I'm not going to try to yeah. say that. I hope I hope my fans in, in Spain <laughs> are going like, what the hell is he talking they about? They can speak a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> but it's that... Um, that that noticing what you're sensing and going through. So it's it's a practice where you have to stay pretty close to who you are. And when you get pulled out by somebody else's um, behavior or even just, you know, driving in a car or all the distractions around you, it's continuously checking in with your own body, with your own self. Like, is this really how I want to react? I really want to be this way, you know? All that good stuff. And not judge that judger part, right? Not right. to go into, why did I do that? Damn it. You know, that inner critic when we catch yeah. ourselves. For me, the more I catch myself with compassion and how I would talk to my son on a really good day, I got to talk to myself that way. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what I found in meditation. And, you know, I know I don't love meditation all the time, but um, just because it's hard to make time for it. But it is really a key. It's really like noticing ourselves and getting to know ourselves from the inside out and really taking that journey with ourselves because that makes everything better. That makes all our relationships better yeah. and just the way we can show up for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was mentioning to you years ago um, when I first met Rainbow, I went to um, a couple of Zen monasteries and some practice periods. And all of that experience, it was the first time I did that in my life too. So much of that stillness, I felt like I, that's the the life that I wanted to go towards, that monastic life. And I thought that was that spiritual. I can only achieve the levels of spirituality that I want, awareness of the world through that path. And I remember it took me years after to recognize that um, renunciation is not the path for most of us. Mm -hmm. We have the possibility for that kind of spiritual awakening presence in the material world. And I, it was funny when I got it, it was like, oh shit, yeah, that's why I'm here in this body and this density and this material, not to keep floating out of my body in the spiritual realm all the time. Yeah, That's etheric, but right here with the people around me, the chaos in the world. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, that actually reminds me the first time I sat in meditation with this teacher that I was introduced to in, back in 2016. I had never been in a meditation where everybody's active and making sounds. That's a whole nother realm that I got introduced wow. to. Because how I thought it was only, you could only meditate in um, in silence. So that's been something that that is so curious to me. And so that's the cool thing that so Tantra t- allows. T- tell me about some yeah, of the yeah. experience of that. Well, it's, it's, I just want to, one thing I want to oh. say is that it was really weird. I'll, I'll tell you about it. It was really strange. And the journey was really to allow myself and to watch myself just do a thing without judging it, without stopping it. So we were sitting in, uh, this was in California somewhere, one of those pretty ranches. By the way, the story there is that my dear friend took me there because he saw that I was at an all-time low, and I was. I had lost my best friend uh, to cancer at age 38, and she left a son behind. She was like my best friend, and we grew up life together. So I lost her. And then right the year after that, I almost lost my son, who was four and a half. So it was, and I'm laughing now because it's just wild to even say it out loud because I've grown so much that I can even just say this. But I was at a level of burnout that was just, I couldn't handle it. I was constantly angry. I had no handle on anything anymore. And I pretty much let go of a lot of control. Um, Oh, and to make matters even worse, my friend had already decided that I needed to go see this teacher that he was very interested in, a tantra teacher he had told me about. And I was like, whatever. Like, I don't care. I, I have no zest for life. Then, let's talk about it, our neighbor, who was two years old, tiny little neighbor boy, died as well in a horrible car accident. The day after that, I flew in a plane to see this teacher. So you can imagine I was so wrecked, I had no defenses. And I think that's an interesting point to bring because both I was very jaded and broken about life, but I also had nothing to lose anymore. So I said in meditation um, because I was supposed to, and I was just like, whatever, this this might be good for me. I'm, at least I'm here in a beautiful setting. I will give it a go. And the first three days were really rough, um, really difficult to sit still. And around me is a lot of activity, a lot of sound, and I'm just like sitting with my eyes closed. I've never been part of meditations like this. And can imagine like my emotions were absolutely all over the place trying to just be present to all of that. Um, And, you know, I don't know if your listeners are into miracles, but it was kind of one of the weird miracle moments. But on the third day, I wasn't into miracles. I didn't know about miracles, Uh, but I'll call it a miracle because it's a good English word for it. But on the third day, um, we'd been sitting in meditation twice a day each day. Um, The teacher who was just a, I can't come up with a different word, but a a delicious presence to be around. Like there was something about him that just made me super calm. So he's walking around. We're all sitting in meditation. I can hear his little bells. He has like little bells on his his pants. And he comes closer and closer. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, shit. I'm trying to sort of disappear (laughs) dealing with myself. And he came close and all he did was just brush this towel and blew some wind in my face. And I literally saw and felt a heat rush through my body and all the scary, horrible images that I was holding on so tight, the fear of losing everybody, the grief, there was like 
all that came flushing through my system. And it was like, I would say, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe 30 seconds of everything that you can imagine that was horrible, like burn through my body. And then it was gone and it was still. And um, that was a really hard moment. And I must have made a pretty loud noise because everybody was making really loud noises around me. I expressed it all. And after that, I got stuck to the ground. Kid you not, as they say around here. That's that baptism interesting thing that I'm just, it's really happened that way. I couldn't move off the ground for about half an hour. And after that, I couldn't speak much the rest of the night. And that was in 2016, and I've never been the same since. And ever since that moment, there's a lot more to say about that, but I've gotten interested in what the heck just happened in within within Tantra. What is Tantra? What just, what just happened to me? Hmm. So... I felt like some kind of molecular change, to be honest. And after that, my grief was different. My angst was different. My fear was different. Everything felt manageable and approachable. And I was pretty much a different person. Um, yeah, so I'm just sharing that. It's per very personal, wow. but here you go, everybody. Mm. Mm. So thank I've, you, thank you, thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's personal, but and I want to share it because it's it's you know you hear these miraculous healings from like, and I'm reading these books right now. I'm reading tantric Vedic texts from way long ago, 500 years ago, because I'm like wondering what the hell is this thing about. So I studied Vedic tantra now for the past three and a half, four years. Um, and it's all about miracles. It's like so and so's arms and limbs were all coming back together and I just it's all about suspending my disbelief that's what my teacher tells me like suspending disbelief which is really part of Tantra so you can meditate your ass off but if you don't believe in magic it won't happen right so it's it's really the limits getting off of the limits of life yeah and allowing different uh, back to that the art Tantra is the art and science of transformation right. transformation is literally expecting something different than you've ever seen before so you can't know what's going to happen next so if you can't know you shouldn't have any judgments about what happens next so that's the only way to allow transformation to happen well I didn't know any of that when I sat down that meditation week so I was oh my gosh I couldn't talk about that at all at first because it was so wacky and now I can. And so I got I got help, which is maybe, yeah, that's that's awesome. And I feel really thankful for that. Um, and now I, ha I did have to backtrack, though, like that. I feel like I've, I changed through that, but then I had to maintain that good feeling. There you go. How do I maintain with actual everyday practices being a mom, being in this life, and that's how it all kind of developed into where I am now, that I feel, you know, I make jokes about it, but I kind of feel like I'm there. You know, that's the funniest shit to hear Johnny. It's like, oh, right, you think you're there, huh? <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so, probably not, but... Well, how is it with, <clears throat> with Johnny in a relationship? You're focusing on this path. Um, how similar is his path in conjunction with yours do you, how do you navigate talking about it or not because there's many couples when one person let's say takes a certain awareness or growth aspects of their life if the other person's not doing something in their own in, yeah. in, in that way it doesn't have to be exactly that then there would become such a separation and uh, concern and worry about the compatibility and the 
Right. And then the life of the relationship. So Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's talk about sex then. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> let's talk about So <laughs> one aspect of Tantra, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that it it's always relate well, everybody. People in the West are kind of conditioned to think about when you, they hear Tantra, they think of sex. Right. Yeah. So we just talked about that. So um yes and. So the answer is yes and. So Tantra you know, here I am talking about Tantra. There's so many ways to talk about Tantra. Tantra originates in a, from a Vedic culture in India and came to the West um, and became something a little bit different. Both are fine. I'm just a little bit different. One is probably called Vedic Tantra and the other could be called Urban or Neo-Tantra. And then within those are multiple paths. People like to color code them. <laughs> you have pink and red and white Tantra, you know, blue and purple and green Tantra. No, last three colors are, are not actually. You get tantra those colors. belts with the colors. Yeah, exactly. It. Just like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so being that it was taken by the West and the West got a hold of this, it's not a religion, but it's a, a, a life's philosophy that allowed the body to be a part of an a path of enlightenment. Well, that that's hot. That's great. That's like, oh my gosh, because bef- you know most religious organizations and, and institutions really have a strong hold on what you do in your sexual life, what you do with your body. Um, so that got so much attention that parts parts of tantra that make tantra this full, rich um, uh, set of principles. The rest of the principles got a little snowed under because the sexual and embodied principle was so taken on so strongly by the West because it just it needed that. The West did need like a shaken up about your body is part of who you are. You're here on this planet. And um, yeah, it's part of part of this path. And the householder path is really it, that saying is like you're in this life, you're in this body. So use it for your yeah awakening path. Um so, gosh, yeah, how, how Johnny, where to even go back to? So the day we got married, <laughs> I'll just make it really brief. Um, but let's say that when we first met, we had like back then we wouldn't call it a tantric connection, but it's it turned out that we are like a good fit when you think of masculine and feminine traits. We are easy at saying sorry to each other, too, which really helps. Uh, we can really sort of lower our ego in front of each other easily. So that's just that we're both really happy about that. That is a gift. Humility. Um, yeah, being humility. Being humble. Mm. Yeah, just because we both now know that's a better outcome, even if you're right. If you're right, it's still good to say sorry because it, it helps. Such a beautiful element of relationships. To <laughs> yeah. be humble. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, but just how he first spoke about. Um, femininity and women, but more so maybe not even women, but just a feminine principle in his life. And then the way I hold a masculine principle in my life, I've always loved like to express myself maybe more on a mas- masculine spectrum. Like I love tree work and carpentry and I'm comfortable in that. Um, and he has much more comfort with women around him as most of his best friends are women. And so there was this a natural good fit of giving and take, give and take together in our relationship. So when I was going through this really hard time with losing my friend and my buddy taking me to California to see this Tantra teacher, he was like, yeah, go, whatever works. 
And then I came back and he was blown away because he had lived with me for a year and a half or two in misery where I was, you know, going to therapists and just trying to get a hold of myself to get me back into life, so to say, and nothing helped. And then I was gone for a week and I came back just kind of a different person. And so he noticed, so he started paying attention in the sense that well, some, something is alive here. Let's let's see about it. Let's learn about it. So his curiosity was really there. And so then when I realized I want to learn more about this, what is there to learn and where can I learn it from? He was on board. So in the three and a half years that I studied with my teacher, Rudiji, um, he would, we, I would read out loud. So that was really, that was our fun practice. I would mm. take tantric books and be like, oh, you got to hear about this thing. Totally the yoga sutras. I'd be reading out loud and we'd both be like, man, this is awesome. It's totally inspiring. So I kind of pulled him in like that. And then him watching my transformation was kept him, yeah, involved. And so what has really happened, so let's talk about sex. So this is... This is my personal journey, and I don't mind getting very personal. Um, but what I notice is that this kind of ties into a level of, let's say, um, I'll, I'll throw some words out, and then I'll we try to weave it together in a sort of comprehensible story. But um, humanity always has had um, shamanic cultures, and within those cultures, there's a level of, let's call it, altered states or ecstasy states. Those have always been part of human development for how long? I don't know, this whole time. And I now am at a point in my life that I'm feeling that sexuality, the ecstasy that comes with that and how you can share it with a partner is a doorway to altered states and to that healing that is possible within that altered state and the transformation that is possible within that altered state. So that's sort of the, the short version of it but that sexuality can go way beyond the physical positions or activities or breathe this way or that way, but really going, allowing that ecstasy state to sort of take over in a safe setting. So that's where, you know, sexuality within safe partner work. You don't have to be married, but it has to be safe, right? Um, there is so much available information there I've noticed this in the past year or two now that I'm experimenting with this. It has blown my mind. Like, you know, that there's this, yeah, there's just a wealth a resource of answers to pretty much potentially everything for any person. And I feel that is my personal way to dive into that world and get a lot of answers that I have material for weeks. Like, wow, I had one orgasm and I'm like completely in the know. I'm one with source. So that is mind-blowing and i'd love for everybody to kind of get there honestly it's kind of, kind of that's my pilgrimage for my zealous path is to yeah find a way to spread this 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 experience that i'm having and the access that we all have to that you don't have to be partnered by the way to have this ecstasy path you can do it by yourself for sure and that's just yeah one piece of tantra mm. there you go there's another personal piece yeah <laughs> And when you said about having a safe, safe relationship, a safe right. person, I think that's so vital because yeah. in that trans, anytime we're experiencing transformation of, of ourselves in some ways, if we're not around somebody or sharing somebody that it's safe, then that could be a bad trip. 
Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why we do need to choose, pick and choose a little bit of who we share time with. That same contagious factor is like who we surround ourselves with is kind of who we are, who we become. So the choices of humans that we're relating with is, is very important. Yeah. Do they uplift us or do we uplift them? That's that's kind of the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- what would you what would you say around people that their partners aren't they're giving them yeah. they're giving them guff they're giving them some some shine. So yeah, I've thought about this because I'm I'm specifically interested in that journey because I'm I'm on it <clears throat> myself. And I can see that there's both so much potential and also a difficulty there that can be. So we were joking earlier about it's better to not talk about it. That be for me, that becomes then really important. Uh, like in our partnership, when Johnny and I, when I start lecturing, when I start <laughs> like you should, or wouldn't it be great if you could go read this book and then maybe you'll be enlightened someday? That's not good. None of that's good. So then it just goes back to showing by example, which, you know, sounds a little icky too, but it is kind of true. Yeah. Then you just shut up and be. If you truly believe that 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 your path is a good path, then just show it by being this amazing person. You just vibe your amazing self all over the house. They're going to catch on. They're going to catch on. The They're cats gonna are going to be coming. The all cats those are going to come. come. Exactly. The neighborhood cats are going to come in your house. <laughs> That's right. Good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> yeah, but but I think for real because we can talk anything to death, and there's so many. So many judgments and assumptions once we start talking. Also, when we've been in marriage or partnership for a really long time, it can be tricky to allow your lover, your person to transform, Mm -hmm. to, yeah, to allow them to transform into something that they're ready for, but you might not be ready for them to be there. Mm -hmm. You want them to stay in a place that you're comfortable with or that you're used to. So it's also the allowing each other to, to keep transforming until we die, pretty much. You know, that's what... I think real support can look like and having that commitment that we, you know, we're here on this path together, but what you do in your personal life, your development is yours. So then, yeah, when, if a partner isn't, isn't game, I think just how I see that it's just their resistance is coming up. They know they very likely feel in their bones that it's a good path. And they're just like, fuck that. Hmm. Hell no, I'm not going to do that. Just because you say so. Just because yeah. you said it's good, I'm not going to do it. You know, exactly. there's so then they have to come to it in their own time. There's yeah. nothing else to do for it because else it's just inflamed. And I think just like you said, it takes that time for even that person who who transformed in that way to really embody it. So there's a, yeah. probably a period that person's like, yeah, let me just, let me wait and see. You exactly. Know? You know, that it's just not all words because exactly, it can't be all words at all. Because no. so many people hit that that spiritual path, that householder's path, and they talk about it. They talk yeah. about it, but it's not about talking about it. No. It's about doing it and living it and feeling it and being in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then on top of that, Tantra really allows for everybody to have their own divinity path so your relationship to god is different than mine and so it'll all look different so it's hard to even you can inspire somebody but you can't tell them how to do it they have to everybody has to find out how they tick and how they work and what some of the patterns are that come up or blockages that are in the way or they're all going to be different we all have such different life experiences 
Yeah, so with Johnny and I, we're just trying, and I mean, it's not like I'm enlightened and he's not or something, you know, we definitely, you know, he supports me tons in just his centered, calm way. And he was really a good example for me, like what it can look like to talk less, hmm. you know, just let's not talk, talk this through. Let's just be. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of resistance to that at first. It's like, no, we have to analyze it and understand it. And he's like, no, no, not really. Can we just go on a walk? Mm. Can we just be in our body? So he really pulled me in to remind me. Yeah. Yeah, he is a he has a sweet energy of presence in many ways, kind of childlike in in some ways. And yeah. that's that's the the beauty of presence is childlike. Yeah. 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 And that's why I have so I have so much fun with him. He's just such exactly that. And that that playful experimentation is a humongous part of Tantra. Mm. Where you really just, well, let's see what happens. There's no you I mean there's techniques and principles, but then you gotta go experiment. You gotta go for it. You gotta see what happens when you yeah, when you meditate a certain way or when you start saying things differently or what happens when you bring presence to your awareness or just there's there's the experimentation is a huge part of it. Yeah, the, the time that you just don't judge that one person, you know, like driving down nine and it used to be somebody was on my ass and I'd be like, damn it. And I'd be either maybe breaking a little bit going and then I just realized all I got to do is just pull over. That's right. Not going to take my peace. You're not going to take my peace. <laughs> oh a my huge gosh. realization, you know. Around nine is like really great for enlightenment for that. Yeah. I had the exact same experience where I did hit the brakes. That was just last week when somebody was on my ass. We talk like, about Route 9 where we live. We got this like 11, 12 mile windy mountain road. And mm-hmm. and it's a it's an interesting journey. Yeah, you get stuck behind a grandma or a sweetie that just drives like 20 miles an hour and you're going to be stuck behind that for the whole way down. <laughs> Last year, I was going up just that part of the Continental Divide and and there was a car that was just five miles an hour, five miles an hour for a while and I passed on a double line. There was a cop right on, you know, that little driveway oh, that's there on that yeah. Continental Divide and he just nailed me and just bitched me out and... uh but folks, I got off. I, I talked my way off of that ticket. But yeah. <laughs> we had a smooth talker. I was, but it was, no, I, he gave me a ticket, but I had to go to court and I talked it out oh, at the good. court. Yeah. What, you had a moment? You had a moment? Of- I had a moment of, yeah, like really trying to control my environment at that moment. And that my timing and my expectation of what needed to be done in that moment was that I needed to go ahead and excel. And yeah, it was, it was, it was out of, and I've never done that in 23 years. I've never passed anybody right at that point on a double line. I just never did it. And I got caught. So if, if listeners, we have all been paying attention, the next question y'all should know the answer to. So what did you forget to do right before you hit the accelerator? Well, yeah, what what I forgot to do is like pause. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yep. He made it. Exactly. He won the refrigerator. Thank you. That's yeah. right. And I mean, it's hard. Right. It is hard. It really is. Yeah. But yeah. The, what, like you're saying, the more that we pause and everybody, it's just walk to your house, to your car, take a pause, stop, and just take a breath, look up, look at the cloud, like those moments. So look at 
Rainbow's she she's got some nice roses in the garden, and we made sure that those roses smell. Mm. You know, not mm-hmm. have roses that you can't smell. <laughs> so I got to remind myself, I got to go sniff that rose. I love it. I love sticking my nose and just really feeling it, smelling yeah. it. Yeah. Totally. And one of the things um, I keep just coming back to tantra because it's my thing, but the the practice of smelling with your whole body. So that we're learning to take in senses with our whole body, with our whole soul, with like everything we have. And that will also, and that's something that I do during the day as well. When we go back to that householder path, like how, how do I do this? How do I get to ecstasy? What? In a regular day? Come on. I don't have ecstasy in a regular day. So it's kind of deconstructing that a little bit that you can actually have small moments of ecstasy and small moments of filling your whole body up with that rose smell and really giving it your like complete 100% devoted attention right there with that rose. Could be three seconds, but if you give it your all, those three seconds will last you the rest of the day. Exactly. Yeah. And it really does work. It's that, and it's again like suspending your disbelief. Right. It's like, oh fuck, that's that's not going to work. What smelling a rose is going to get? That was bullshit. But it really isn't, and you just kind of have to try it. It's yeah. like, right? It's like kind of that experimentation. Exactly. And that like full on. Or I, I, my mom when I was a kid used to teach me about um, presence and enjoying, but not in those words. She would just point things out that were really pretty in nature. So grew up in Holland, so there's flatness. It's completely flat. So we'd go to the beach. Uh, any season, we'd go to the beach. If it was ice cold, we'd go to the beach. Um, and we would watch the sunset because it was on the West Coast. And she taught me how to really fully enjoy a moment. And I'm so thankful for her for that. It was such a simple teaching but it's paid off like the rest of my life. It's like enjoying and taking it in and letting it just fill me up. The sunset, the colors, the sitting in the sand, just that moment. And it the rest of the day is so much easier. Everything's enriched. Everything's a little more enlivened. Things become easier. And doing that during your day a little bit each time will really, yeah, that's that path. And that's that path that you would talk about as a kid. Kids, we did that. Laying down on the lawn, looking up at the clouds. Yeah. You know, we didn't have this concept of all these things that we needed to be and do and work and everything. Yeah. And then when it gets to adult life, it's we have to take those moments to remember, to go back. But even in in the adult moments of, of like the chaos of life, you know, I, I want to repeat that story I told you earlier about when I had this realization of like the householder's path 23 years ago when we first moved here. Xander was about three and it was my turn to to have night duty. I put him down, and I couldn't wait to put him down and go go sit on on the cushion to meditate. You know, forty nice long minutes I can do. He's now sleeping, and I started getting into my meditation. Five minutes in, he started whimpering, and I'm hoping that he's gonna go back to sleep. And then he started getting louder, louder. And I just could feel it well up, just like the frustration and the the victim. Why don't I get my time? When am I gonna get my time? And I walked in the room with that energy and I picked him up with that energy and he clung around me and, and I can feel like he was so close to me in his breath and I can feel him and I started just pause in the moment with him and I started breathing and breathing and um, I, this just this realization just, just overwhelmed my body of, because I was saying to myself, I want to find, I'm trying to find myself, I'm trying to find myself on this cushion. And at that moment I realized, finding myself right here 
in his beautiful tears, like the knowing of our, the feeling of I am home. Mm-hmm. I am right where I need to be and just be in that moment with the experience of it. It's beautiful. And I think to let people know too, that, you know, we're talking about taking these pauses and, and hopefully looking at the beauty of life in many ways, but it's also pausing and looking at the shit yeah. and, and trying to really understand and, and even appreciate aspects of it that brings up courage, that brings up awareness, that brings up strength. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When, when I lost my friend, um, and I didn't know how to grieve, you know, I wasn't taught how to grieve in life. That's not something that my culture really taught me. I had to make dates with myself to cry. That was the only way that I could think about it because I was so tight. Um, but those moments, yeah. So the, the moments of ecstasy and joy that we just talked about is just as important to take those moments for grief and processing and allowing these emotions to, to move through us. Um, and so, yeah, I would make, now I kind of giggle at it, but it was a really, really good technique. It was like the boys were very little at the time or, um, and they, they would just watch me cry. They would just watch me cry. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, I can't let them see me cry. Cause then they're going to cry or whatever I thought I would like drag them down with me or that's not a good example. But because I, I would set a timer, absolutely. I would give myself, oh, what was it? I think 10 minutes. Mm. So, because I needed the safety of the end of this, so I I, I needed that, and um, so I set a timer for ten minutes and sat on the couch and told myself, "You're allowed to now feel. You just allowed to feel. The timer will go off, and you'll, you know, something will pull you back." My kids would sit on the couch with me, and they would just sit and watch me and ask me questions, and I would kind of answer. But it, I think and hope that it might have been actually really good for them to watch me cry. Um, and then the timer would go off and it wasn't like, oh, let's pretend nothing happened because they had watched me. So I also don't want to pretend that I can flip that switch and I couldn't. So then it took me about a half an hour to sort of get on my feet and pretend that I could do life again. Um, but then after the Tantra retreat, so after that big change, I've still wanted to give myself the allow, even though it felt different in my body. I kept those dates with myself just probably for another six months because I was like, there's got to be, I want to give space for whatever still is there. Can't be gone. All that residual. Yeah. Yeah. So I would sit and it wasn't like full on tears. It was, it had changed, it had transformed, but it was definitely that presence telling my grief, like you're okay too. It doesn't all have to be love and light. That's not the idea here. It's allowing everything like you were just saying, allowing all of it to be present. And didn't you experience that when you got in touch with some of the present griefs that you were experiencing, the present losses, that it like had domino effects to other losses in your life, other things that that ten years ago, fifteen years ago, as a child, did did you feel that? Because when I when I make room for a present grief, the essence of loss comes up, and I yeah. think of all kinds of other losses in my life if I'm truly allowing myself to feel those feelings. Totally. Yeah. Totally resonate with that. Mm. Yeah. Cause I'd already lost my dad and that is always, that's such a big parent loss that is always connected to later loss. It always comes back to lit, crying a little bit about my dad <laughs> every mm. time. Yeah. And I think those little bits like the householder path, we keep saying that, but it is, you have a busy life and you think these things aren't possible, but they can be. And that allowing these 
emotions to become part of us makes us actually better enjoyers later too. It's that that deep like belly relaxation of, oh, I can also cry. Crying is okay. Grief is okay. Okay, great. Well, then I can expand into my joy as well. And I would highly recommend using a timer for these things yeah. because your kids are going to come home from school, whoever you're at work, you know, you really only have so many minutes in a day. So yeah. I would, I would plan it out. And the good thing that there's a container and you know, when the timer goes off, you know, yeah. Hey, tomorrow at seven o'clock, I'll see you then grief. Exactly. That, that, that to me was really good. I did similar to that. And um, to know, okay, it's not like stuff in it. It's just like, no, I'll know I'll give it to you at this time. I'll give it out. I'll let it go at this time. And I think that was really good, knowing that I can do it again. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. thing that is, what is that therapy style of somatic experiencing where they teach that, I think the word is titrating, that you go back and forth slowly between these emotions of centeredness and maybe somewhat scarier or more out of control emotions and then back to centeredness. So it's not about necessarily reliving all that trauma, but just dip into a little bit. Right. And then or yeah, the that timer you're will lose go. all kinds of control, you know, yeah. that you can come back and center yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sort of like doing that therapy of one at your own house. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, this was sweet. This was so good. God, we can keep going. Yeah, going. really, really, yeah. we can keep going. Yeah. This is really juicy. I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this because I think so many people are grappling with, you know, I want more of a meaningful life, a more spiritual life. How do I do it? Yeah. And paying the bills and changing the the oil and so forth, and and um, it's 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 simplistic and so profound. Yeah. You know, so profound in its, its in simplicity to what it means to just be aware and awake and, and present. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad that we had this talk. Yeah, it mm. pings a lot of interesting things. Yeah. And just, you know, that funny saying, what is it? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll or so, but it's all included. <laughs> like life is has to be like that. Yeah. And it, it has so many pointers and shows us so much that, yeah, death is a beautiful teacher. Sex is too. And... You have to meditate, though. That's the one thing. You have to do a little bit of mindfulness, but mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Anything that you want anybody to know about what, what you're up to that you want to share or in your life and Yeah. Um, well, I do this work, um, so I can leave my email address. I'm working on a website, but if anybody's interesting to talk to me, chat to me and get, a, get any more information, then that's my route. I'm working on a website, okay? See, one last thing I'll say in this field, and you might experience this too, you should do a whole podcast on uh, Instagram and online world and authenticity. I'm having a hard time with that. I'm just putting that out there. How do you get your authentic self across? But unfortunately, that's sort of the way to get you out there. So I have some resistance to that. But yes, I have an email address right now. It's the path of the householder just even in that. Yeah. Yeah. Who has time to be on Instagram all day? Yeah, but, you know, that's part of a little bit of coming out like this. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. And thanks for taking a a rainy forest walk over here. Yeah, 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 I'm glad to go back out. It's really beautiful out there with the dripping rain. So nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. This Mm -hmm. was great. Thank you, Mark. Really enjoyed it. And do it again. Okay. So here's a little tip that you can use every day. 
to practice being more aware and mindful, which I also believe will bring in the value systems that you believe in your own path of spiritual spirituality. One of mine is kindness. Another one is, of course, compassion. But one is sustained awareness of the beauty of experiencing the moment that I'm experiencing. So what I would like you to do is to give time together with somebody in your life, whether it's your partner, a friend, or your children, to give them the gift that's a gift of time together, of an expression of care, a practice of um, restraining from zoning out on the TV or surfing the internet. Catch yourself when you're about to do that and stay longer with the person, right? Keep offering your attention past that natural inclination to normally shift your gaze to uh, something that you're reading, to your phone or the TV, or even sustain your attention to the other person, what they're talking about, rather than shifting to your own. That's also a mindful practice of equanimity and generosity. Okay, so you got your assignment. There you go. Stay a little longer with the attention on somebody else. Being interested and curious of the experience that you're having. Okay, everybody. I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.